You are listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, episode 213. Hey there, you're listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast. My name is Angela Henderson, and on this show, we talk about improving your business, life, or both by having amazing and rich conversations with brilliant guests who will inspire you and who will give you tips and tricks to help you grow both in life and in business. Well, hey there, and welcome back to another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Ange, from Angela Henderson Consulting, where I'm an international award-winning business consultant and coach who has helped thousands of amazing women business owners get all the pieces in place to have consistent four and five-figure months, and then on to six and seven-plus-figure years without burning out in the process. I am so excited to have the amazing Abby Ashley joining us today on the podcast all the way from good old US of A. She's just an amazing human doing amazing things who has grown her business from $0 in 2016 to now $3.8 million per year. She is a force to be reckoned with. Today, we're going to be talking about how that transition to CEO has led her to 75xing her company growth. Seriously, it is an amazing story, an inspiring story, but also we chat about how she went from solopreneur to CEO. We talk about the challenges that she faced and what others might face when transitioning into the CEO role. She also shares with us, which I find is one of the most simplistic and beautiful frameworks around transitioning from CEO that involves three key elements. But I also love that she's going to give us a little bit of a sneak peek behind the world's first new platform when it comes to hiring teams so you can truly move into the CEO role. This episode is pure gold. And if you're sitting there struggling, trying to do everything yourself as a solopreneur and wondering how the hell do I move truly into the CEO role, start making CEO decisions, start stepping up, you're going to want to stay tuned to this awesome episode. But before we get started into this episode today, I just want to remind you that this episode is specifically sponsored by my Profit Pillars Kickstart, Gaining Momentum with My 90 Day Sprint. This is a coaching program for women in business who want to go from stuck, unmotivated, lost to developing a laser-focused strategy, giving you clarity, tools, and community you need to achieve both short and long-term goals. Our focus inside of the 90-day program is for you to gain an increase in revenue, clarity, and strategic direction, boosting momentum, understanding specifically what to focus on in your individual business to move you forward, helping you build a stronger mindset, new networks, increasing your confidence, and a hundred other amazing things. Things. Included inside of the 90-day Sprint Profit Pillars, you're going to get a one 30-minute strategy session with me to create your personalized 90-day roadmap. You're going to get three monthly live goal-setting sessions, three monthly live group workshops with guest experts, three monthly live mindset um, calls. We've got fortnightly live coaching calls. We've got three monthly co-working sessions. You've also get 90-day access to the Profit Pillars Vault with over 50-plus business trainings, and you also get the private Facebook community for daily support. The cost is literally $15 per day in order for you to gain the momentum you need to grow your business. Spots every month are limited because my groups are intimate in order to ensure that people get personalized and individualized attention. Send me an email at info at AngelaHenderson.com.au or a DM over on Instagram. My handle is Angela Henderson Consulting because the sales page isn't alive yet. Again, email me at info at AngelaHenderson.com.au or send me a DM over on Instagram at Angela Henderson Consulting. Now let's get into this amazing episode with Abby. Welcome to the show, Abby. 
Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited. Gosh, I'm super excited to have you here today. I know we caught up a couple of weeks ago and it was like, all right, chat, 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 chat. So you and I do not have a problem with connecting or chatting. So we will stay on track today as we start tra- talking about the transition to CEO and how you 75X your company. And I think this is going to be super useful because on a weekly basis, I'm speaking with women in my cohorts, do you know what I mean? And other masterclasses, et cetera. And one of the primary things is how can I transition? What does this look like? What does this mean? What do I need to do? And your level of knowledge about this topic is phenomenal. So I'm super excited to have you here today. Well, thank you. I'm excited to dive into it. It's probably one of my favorite topics to talk about. I love building a team. I love hiring and I love seeing people step into being CEO of their business. So let's get into it. Let's get into it. Now, one of the things though that I always start with, because I like to ask a fun question to the audience so that they get to know you a little bit better before we jump into the all levels of awesomeness. Now you live over in the USA, you're heading out of summer at time of recording and heading into fall. So my question is, is what is your all-time favorite season, spring, summer, fall, or winter, and why? Mm, I'd have to say fall kind of actually like right now (laughs) I think the um I love summer so much I'm a sunshine girl I grew up in Missouri but I moved to Florida um after college or after high school for college and I loved the sun I love all of that but there is an element where man at least here in Missouri when you can walk out it's like 70 60 degrees a light jacket oh it's my favorite I I think I'd have to say fall fall and now isn't it now correct me if I'm wrong I've lived in the U.S. for 15 years but it's been a while since I've been back in fall now isn't when Starbucks releases like their pumpkin spice around this time oh yes a hundred percent which I I could give or take I'm not like the huge fanatic I'm also not the I hate it. I'm like, let's all get along, guys. Come on. There's, let's all there's get along. So but they're arguing in the world right now. Let's I, not argue with the pumpkin. I know. I just always, like, I always crack up because there'll be like all the funny, like it's fall or whatever. And uh, pumpkin spice is back, you know? And so I always just yeah. giggle when it's, it's again, great promotional tool, right? They've got people hooked on it. So yes. Yeah, so now that we know that fall is your favorite kind of season, obviously you mix with a little bit of sunshine. Can you tell the audience a little bit about where you started in business and where you are today? For sure. So I started my business back in 2015 and it really started as, you know, a way just to make some money working from home. I was actually pregnant with my second child and a friend suggested that I look into virtual assistants. I had tried a lot of other work from home things. I sold jeans on eBay for a while. I like bought and resold like flipped textbooks Uh for a little while. And, you know, I was able to make a little bit of side income, but nothing substantial. And I really wanted something that I could put my heart and soul into. And a friend suggested virtual assistants. And I thought, oh, well, I don't even know what that is. So (laughs) let me take a look and, and kind of see what this is all about. And I scoured the internet and just, I felt like, this, this is it. This is my thing. And so I started a virtual assistant business. I literally just started calling myself a virtual assistant the next day, started going to local networking meetings. I had a background in marketing and I just knew, all right, marketing, this is, I'm just going to have to market myself, whether I'm ready or not. One of my life sayings is go set ready. And so <laughs> I'm quick start. let's just do this thing. So I got out there and I was able to replace my income with virtual assistants pretty quickly. Um, 
And so that was back in 2015. It was late, late 2016, like December 2016, that um, you know I had kind of built an, a, a small email list. I had an email list of probably like 900, almost a thousand at that point that I had been building for the past two years. And so I asked my audience, "Hey, I'd love to create an online course. What would you want to learn from me?" And overwhelmingly, it was, "We'd love to learn how to start a virtual assistant business," which I didn't even realize that was the audience I was creating, but I said, okay, let's do it. And so I, you know, created this sales page for a course, um, said, this is what it will include. I sold it for half price of what I eventually would sell it for. And in one week I had 16 people buy it, which uh, was eight grand in my pocket. And I said, all right, let's create this course. And, And that's kind of the beginning. That was the beginning. And so it's essentially that same course that I've been selling now, uh, since late 2016, um, we've now grown to uh, you know a company that has uh, over 14 employee full-time employees plus contractors. We have a Facebook community of about to reach a hundred thousand, um, mm-hmm. and we've had four thousand students go through our program. Dude, I mean, how cool is that? And to think again, it started with this little idea from friends, right? Didn't know what it was, <laughs> and just flourished, you know, from. Yeah, just and it keeps on flourishing, right? We'll talk a little bit more about that, kind of your next stages a little bit later on in the podcast. But did you No, I'll hold that question. I've got a question, but I'll hold that question. Now, for those that are listening, my audience varies on this podcast. And so there are some are in startup stage, growth stage, you know, scale stage. So what do you believe are the basics around transitioning from CEO? I mean, in your instance, how did you know that it was time to go from solopreneur to CEO? Like, because it's not going to be obviously prescriptive. Each person is individual, et cetera. But can you just give the audience a little bit about like, what could they be looking for? How do they know that the transition's either coming or they should be thinking about it? Yeah. So I will, I will preface with this. I am an Enneagram seven. If anybody's into Enneagram, Mm -hmm. I get bored real easy. (laughs) (laughs) I will like absolutely love something one week. And then two weeks later, I'm like, I am done. I am bored with this. So one of the things, which is why I was a little bit of a a serial entrepreneur in the beginning. um, I, when I started my virtual assistant business, I was pregnant and I knew I wanted to take some serious time off. So if I'm being completely honest, I started my virtual assistant business from day one with this idea of I'm going to build a team. Mm -hmm. So pretty quickly, I started slowly, you know, bringing in people that I trusted to outsource some of the tasks to right Mm -hmm. now, when I created the online course in 2016, um, I actually had really scaled back my agency just to work on the course. And so I kind of view them as two separate businesses. So I had the agency where I was working there and then I had the online course. And so in the beginning of that, again, me solopreneur, but I'll be honest, when I made that first uh, $8,000, the very first thing I did with that money is I hired a Pinterest manager. I hired somebody to do something that I was doing, but I was bored with now. I didn't enjoy anymore, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And so I really think that, um, you know, there's there's kind of the, you know, how do you know you're ready? And then when, you, when you're ready, whether it's out of boredom or out of just time restraints or just that vision to grow, whenever you decide that you are ready, um, I really love looking at the tasks that you're doing. Um, everybody hates doing a time study, but man, a time study can be really revealing. You track your time for a week, see where you're actually spending it. 
And then dividing those tasks into, you know, okay, what is category one? Category one is the things that I'm doing, but I hate, and I'm not even that good at. Uh Category two is these are the things that I'm actually pretty good at, but I don't really love doing. And then category three, I love doing these things and I'm good at it. And so my goal is to just get every CEO to get as close as they can to all category three tasks. There's no, there's probably never going to be a perfect scenario where you're a hundred percent of your time is all category three. But if you can slowly start moving that direction through your hiring, I feel like that really individualizes the experience. Not everybody's level three looks as the same as my level three tasks. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just that idea of, man, how can I get to the point where I'm mostly doing the things that I love doing? And I think too, like you said there too, like, again, it is a bit of a transition, right? You're not going to just be able to delegate and hire everything all at once. It just, it's still, there might be some things that you still have to hang on to for a little while while you transition. And one of the things that I would love for you to share, because I, I, you know, I know a little bit about your background is. Can you share with the audience a little bit about what the growth and team looked like back in 2016, all the way to where you are now? Because back, obviously, into I just think it's important for the audience to see this or hear this. And I guess you could say, in other words, because the fact is, is that so often in, in the entrepreneur space, what I'm finding now is everyone thinks that everything should be done now. And I'm like, like, they should be a millionaire today, right? Like it's, you don't have to do any work. You don't have to do anything else. And because the internet shows everyone is doing successful, that that's what they should be, but it takes time uh, and energy and alignment and all those things. So can you share back in 2016, when you had like the one part-timer and we're making 48 K to where you were in 2021? Yes, for sure. So, and and I think this is important too, because we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started the podcast recording. Um, there's kind of this chicken and the egg debate of do you do you hire a team to grow or do you hire like do you hire a team so that you can grow? Or do you hire a team because you're growing? You know, mm-hmm. and I'm definitely team two, and I've done both approaches, and I will say like. Um, just for your business's sake, for your budget sakes, for your sanity's sake, for the, for the people that you're hiring for their sake, I would much rather know that like, Hey, my business is ready. I have the financial capacity to hire. Maybe it's a little bit of a stretch. Maybe you have to move some things around to make it a capacity. Let me, let me lower my, my personal spending a little bit, or let me cut out some software or something to make it. But like, um, anytime that I've hired because I want that to be the key to my growth, it, it hasn't worked out as well as like, oh, okay, look, we're making this much money. Now we can afford to hire these people. So even as I say these numbers, I don't want them to be a like prescriptive, hire this many people and you will make this much money. No, exactly. <laughs> hire this many people because we were making this much money. I feel like it's a really important distinction. 100%. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. So yeah, we started out. So in 2016, again, I was doing um, partial um, partial services. I was doing high-end copywriting at that point. And so I had let go of my team just to focus on the courses. So between the course and just me doing copywriting on the side in 2016, I made about 48000 that year. Mm-hmm. Um, that's when I launched the course and said, okay, I'm going to use this money to you know pay out a few months of a Pinterest manager. So mm-hmm. that um, that second year. And then near the end of the year, I hired just a general VA. So uh, we made 225,000 in 2017. 
In uh, 2018, we grew to a $600,000 company with two part-time, the the VA, the um, Pinterest manager, and then one, my one full-time employee, Mm -hmm. which I will say this, she actually started as a contractor. Um, I hired an OBM, an online business manager, which if you've ever read the book, Rocket Fuel, Mm -hmm. it talks about how a visionary needs an integrator. And I am so a visionary and she was so the perfect fit integrator. She's still, she's now the COO of my company. She's like the other side of my brain. I call her my work husband. So, um, she, it's like, well, how has this company grown? I'm like, Melissa, <laughs> like just Melissa. So, um, but, and I literally told her, uh, she's like, I think I want to be a full-time employee. I said, awesome. If you can figure out how to hire yourself, you can. <laughs> and so she figured out how to hire herself as a full-time employee. So that for that year, having a full-time employee, a full-time integrator, we grew to 600,000, which enabled us to hire more full-time employees. So we actually switched over in 2019. Um, and it was our first million dollar year enabling us to have six full-time employees. We grew in 2020 to a $2 million year, um, which enabled us to have 10 full-time employees. And then uh, we went up to 19 full-time employees in 2021, and we crossed over that $3.8 million mark. So um, that's kind of been our journey uh, up until this point. And, um, and I'll be really transparent to say too, we're actually, we're, we're going a little lower this year. We're not having this hyper growth this year. Um, but we kind of planned for that too. One, looking at the economy two saying, we're building a second business now. And we said, Hey, let's make sure this business is just stable. And then we can do about what we did last year. And, um, so we're, our, finances this year are looking about the same for 2022, but then we're planning to start growing at a steadier pace next year, a five or 10% growth year over year, instead of this like crazy explosive growth we've been having mm-hmm. just because it's hard to keep up with. So that's kind of the, you know, at least our goals and our planning are facing that way for 2023. And I appreciate the transparency there, because again, it would be easy to not talk about the, do you know what I mean? Staying, do you mean at the same consistent uh, revenue and not having growth? I know obviously this year with a lot of things going on, you know, with separating from my husband and stuff is I, my revenue decreased slightly over the last 12 months, but what I gained over the last 12 months. And I think this is what people forget about, especially in the online space when they're driven by numbers and revenue, right. Is that, but I gained relationship wealth. I gained self wealth. I gained spiritual wealth. I gained, you know, there's all this, uh, you know, uh, from when I talk about also like exercise wealth, like I was, I've been able to do so many other things because I wasn't just focused on revenue. Now it's not bad to focus on revenue, but in some instances, sometimes you do have to slow down in order to speed up and that that's okay because you know, the growth is coming. And I just like, again, that you were transparent and and, uh, able to open up that discussion because so often I just think it's what's our next, how much how can we double? How can we triple? How can we do this? Again, I think there's a time and place for those conversations, but I think it's also a time and place to know that not everything is around revenue wealth. And if you're only focused on revenue wealth, this will impact your health. This will impact your relationships. And it might not for the first five years, might not first for the first eight years, but eventually it will catch up to you. What are your thoughts about that? Oh my gosh, a hundred percent. And I feel like this is, this is a conversation that like nobody's really having. Cause I think when you look at these numbers, it's like, Ooh, cool, fun, shiny numbers. But I, I, one of the things that I do in my company is that I have decided on a profit margin that I feel great about because I want a profit margin that is puts enough money in the bank, pays me well, 
uh, secures the company, but also positions us for growth. So that number, that magic number for me is in between 30 and 40%. Mm -hmm. Um, I love to have between 30 and 40% profit margins. We spend 30 to 35% on team. Like Mm -hmm. I love having a team and that's where the majority of our, of our, um, our money goes to. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, um, I've had friends who their businesses, a a good friend of mine, Monica Frost, she has a high multi six figure business. Okay. And we were sitting in, it was a small group of us sitting in, and it was all like million dollar plus business owners in that group. But girl has one, I think, part-time contractor. That's Mm -hmm. it. She literally is taking her expenses are so low. Her profit margins are so high that in that circle of all million dollar plus business owners, I think her take home pay was more than all of us. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, it's like, there's not a right or wrong answer, right? It's like, what type of business do you want to create? Do you want to have the big team? Do you, what profit margins do you feel great about it? And using that to dictate your hiring decisions and your personal task decisions and all of that, right? Like I love having a big team because I love to come up with an idea and then pass it on to somebody else because I am a starter and not a finisher sure. yeah. <laughs> and that's my personality. So that's the way that I build business. And if, if we ever drop b- below a 30% profit margin, nope, we, we got to fix this, right? Because that's where I feel comfortable. But I think that you have to find where you feel comfortable and what, what feels good for you in your business. 100%. And that's what, you know, people will say is, and do I hire or do I not hire? And I'm like, well, it depends. You know, I know a lot of people who will get to that seven figure mark and literally they've got one, like you said, that your friend of yours, Monica, I think you said is like one contractor. They were still like, and they were happy with that. They were happy with how their socials were done. They were happy with their growth and that's okay. Whereas I know other people, you know, including myself, didn't mean who have three or four contractors that work for me because it's just like, I'm kind of like, there's certain things I'm good at and certain things I'm not good at. Right. So again, there's no wrong or right way, but I just think it's so important to be able to look at and really start trusting what is right for you versus trying to do these prescription um, methods that everyone says you have to do in these blueprints that you have to do, it really comes down to you. So it's so important, in my opinion, when you're transitioning into the CEO role to understand you, because I do believe unless you understand you and your company, uh, and if you're trying to do what everyone else is doing, it's simply not going to work. And you will like, it will be like on the hamster wheel, right? Going around and around and around. 100%. Now for those listeners out there that are like, well, this is great. Abby, you went from 2016 to 2021, you know, from this and 48K, I think up to doing 3.8 mil. But what were some of the challenges you faced that others might also face when transitioning in that CEO role? Yeah. Oh my gosh. So many. I think most of my challenges have been faced just that, like the fear imposter syndrome type of thing. Like you mm-hmm. just, you're like, Oh, what, what, what am I doing? <laughs> Yeah. And it still hasn't gone away, right? Like I, I think that that's like an ever evolving thing of just, um, you know, you, you grow as an entrepreneur, but you you face challenges along the way. So I mean, we've had everything from um, I've had a lawsuit in there, which was super fun. <laughs> like, oh yeah, you've arrived. You have your first lawsuit. I was like, no, I don't want to arrive. Yeah. <laughs> fun uh, which it ended up working out 100% in our favor um it was fine but that was almost a year-long process that was so stressful and I mean to be honest and this has been just just this is just my transparency moment like 
I am a hundred percent of people pleaser. So that entire situation, the worst part of it was not like the amount of money they were suing me for, not all the legals, like the financials that we had to pay and legal fees and things like that um, to fight the ridiculous thing that it was. It was, there's somebody that dislikes me enough to sue me. <laughs> yes. Like, I feel like I'm a likable person. Like that was, and that's been, you know, my ever increasing, you know, when you first, our YouTube channel started gaining momentum and then you get like your first like mean comments and you're like, okay, there's people that just, you know, have enough free time to go post mean things on the internet about people. And so, you know, I, I toughen up in that area and then I, you know, get to the next thing and I learn how to get through that. And I, I felt a few years back, it was actually when we were going through the lawsuit that I had this moment where um, I had this like, just really strong sense um, like I believe like God, it was God speaking to my heart, just saying, yep. you know, if, um, if you're going to do big things, you have to develop tough skin. Uh-huh. Oh, and I'm I not a tough one. skin person. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, but that has been just a constant reminder of like, um, I will always have a soft heart. I will always have a heart for people. I will always give one of our core values is that we, uh, practice irrational generosity. Like I just, I like to be a, um, like a loving, helpful serving kind of person. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, sometimes I do have to be tough, put on my CEO hat, make the hard decisions Mm -hmm. because I want to do big things. And so that, I think that lesson, it's been a lot of experiences that have gotten me to that point. Mm -hmm. Um, but I think that that's the thing that I'm constantly learning for me, um, being more and more CEO is like learning to just embrace the, like, I guess it's a confidence thing. Like, I, okay, I can make hard decisions. I can do hard things. Attention, women in business. Get ready to ignite your success and elevate your game. Join me for an exclusive three-day women in business conference from October 31st to November 2nd at the breathtaking Gold Coast, Australia. Designed exclusively for online business owners, service-based business owners, coaches, consultants, and course creators. What to expect at this amazing three-day Women in Business Conference? Expect an immersive experience filled with fun, empowering keynote speakers, interactive workshops, networking opportunities with other successful business owners, gain valuable insights, forge meaningful connections, and leave inspired to take your business to new heights. 12 speakers have already been announced with five more speakers being announced shortly. We have Steph Taylor joining us, Anita Seek joining us, Lisa Cordiff joining us, and not to mention Maddie from Sound Healing Australia, who will be there for the most magical sound healing experience ever. You do not want to miss the event of the year for women in business. To secure your ticket, head to AngelaHenderson.com.au today. Mm -hmm. So I love it. And I think it is right. It's like, uh, you know, it's so unfortunate when those first happen, the first mean comment, the first, you know, mean refund request, the first whatever. And you're like, oh, my God. Right. But I feel like, again, every every whatever failure, mistake or whatever is a lesson, right, that we can choose to grow from and look at it from an opportunity perspective when we're in, you know, we get through that situation, not when we're in it, obviously. Um, but that tough skin scenario, if you're going to do big things, you've got to grow tough skin. I definitely think uh, our tough skin gets tougher and tougher as each experience hits us, right? It does. It's like, you know, going to the gym, you just don't have a six pack by going to the gym once, right? You got to do it. You got to work on that a little bit. Um, And that each experience, I don't know, I just find there's always magic in it when you're ready to look for the magic. There's always something good that can come from it. 
Mm, so yes. That's so true. Now you have this beautiful framework that I just love. It's super simple, but very informative. And I want you to share with the listeners today about how this has been able to get you to 75X your company. Uh, and I know there's three kind of key elements that make up this framework. And I know element number one is foundation of culture. Can you talk a little bit about this foundation of culture and why it was, you know, why it's so important when this trend went transitioning into that CEO role? Yeah. So, I mean, if you go through any kind of like general business course, or I don't know if you've done like business coaching in the past, but people always talk about like establishing your company mission and values. And for me, I was always like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Cool. <laughs> I'd like to skip that part. Um, but once I finally took the time to dive into like, what is my company culture? What do I want to create? It was so eye-opening for me, and it has really become this foundation for which we do almost all of our decision-making. So, mm-hmm. you know, it came with our company mission and our core values. So our, our vision statement for our company is to make the freedom life possible, and it's something mm-hmm. that our employees feel it. It's, it's, it's made its way into our language. It's made our, its way into our students' language. We talk about it in our marketing. Like it's, it's become just like this all encompassing thing that we're kind of like obsessed with. And the freedom life means different things for different people too. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think that that's that individualized approach. And then we also created company values. And so um, those, those company values, ours are, we value action over perfection. We creatively carve our own path. We respect all people at all times. We practice irrational generosity and we serve first. Mm-hmm. And um, it's this attitude of um, of kind of that value first mentality, mentality is what our entire culture is based off of. And we're learning more and more that as we dive into these values, again, we make decisions based off of them. We're very um, we, we literally have like a metric of how can, how often can we surprise and delight our clients? Like, can we, if we find out somebody's sick, can we find a company locally that will send them soup? Can like if yeah. someone's in the hospital, can we send them flowers? You know, like we, we try to do that in just big ways. Those like small gestures that make a big impact. Mm-hmm. Um, And then, so we make decisions off of it. And then it's also impacts our hiring. Like, I think the biggest one for us is action over perfection. Mm -hmm. Um, We are, I'm a quick start. Everyone on our team is very high capacity. Mm -hmm. And so that, that kind of like action over uh, perfection we've learned is like, man, if you're not a fast paced person, like we love craftsmen. I think that people who have a craft and they can just spend hours making something gorgeous is so phenomenal. But on our team, we're like, Hey, can you create like 20 pins in an hour? Yep. Sure. Cool. Great. You know, like it's, and, and that's what works for our, again, we, four day work week. We are like, let's, let's, let's do things quick. And even if it's not hundred percent perfect, that's okay. Like we action over perfection. So um, it's really shaped the way that we hire as well. So I think having a foundation of culture, it's how are you going to hire? How are you going to treat um, the, your clients or um, students or whatever you call the customers that you mm-hmm. serve, right? Like, and that will ebb its way through your business and people will feel your core values if you're actually living them. Mm-hmm. And I do think, again, you make a good point. Like I didn't have my values and all that at the beginning, right? Because again, we're busy going to the next thing, trying to yeah. grow audience, whatever. But I do think, again, that foundation, it's like building a house, right? It's like, you've got to have that core foundation in order to build up. And I think it's super important for business in general, but obviously also when you're transitioning to CEO, 
and looking at bringing on team. And so, yes, I think it's a great reminder about uh, sometimes we're so busy working in the business that we forget to work on the business, right? And that part, that key part is, and again, it's not going to probably be perfect, like you said, but you've taken the action, you've mapped it out, and then you're kind of living and breathing it through your, your company, right? So no, so I think that's a super valuable information. And I think, again, sit down with a piece of pen and paper, right? It doesn't have to be a perfect start to jot down. And again, and there's some really great things that you can go online. I don't know exact name, but it's like, you know, different types of values for my company. Even if you're like, well, where do I start? Yeah. Right. There's so many things. And I also think too, giving yourself permission that these values, some of them might stay there, but as you evolve as a business owner, or as a mother, or as a woman, your, your values might change slightly over 10 years, 15 years of being in business too, you know, and, and going back and constantly reviewing and looking that as you continue to evolve and grow. I agree 100%. Now, I know the second part of your framework is around focused ownership. Can you talk a little bit about what does the the second component of that mean? Yeah. So a big part of this was um, uh, when I read the book Essentialism, Mm -hmm. uh, and I'll never pronounce, Greg McGowan, McGowan, every time I butcher his last name, I always (laughs) say it. Anyways. The book is called Essentialism, and it's this idea of doing less so that you can do more, uh, mm-hmm. about focusing. Um, you know, it's not about getting more things done. It's about getting the right things done. Mm-hmm. And um, and I have noticed, especially as an Enneagram 7, someone who's easily distracted, someone who sees opportunity at every corner, like, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? The more I can hone that in and the more that I can just simplify, simplify, simplify and mm-hmm. do less and the things I do do really, really well. Mm-hmm. The, the more we've been able to succeed. So uh, for me, that has looked like, um, you know, I still sell the same course. We've changed the name, we've updated it, but it's essentially the exact same thing mm-hmm. that I've been selling since 2015, 2016, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and that I think that a lot of the reason that we find people who don't get that stacking success, right? Mm-hmm. That like, you know, and that's what I call my, I don't, I don't feel like I've had quick success. I feel like I've had stacking success. It's Uh just like, okay, we grow a year over year, over year, over year. And we finally get to this point. Um, I think that the reason why we've been able to do that is just because we just, we don't move on to doing another thing until we really feel great about the first thing that we've done. So Mm -hmm. we did eventually add a membership and we just in the last year uh, added a high ticket, uh, not high ticket, but higher and higher ticket, more uh, hands-on coaching program. And so we now have three offers, you mm-hmm. know, and I'll find people that are two years in and have like 14 offers. And mm-hmm. again, there may not be anything wrong with that, but I have found for me, the more that I can just focus and just really do the things I'm doing really, really well, that that's been great. It's a, the same with like our social media um, you know, when I started, um, this is again, 2016. So I'm not, this is, this is descriptive, not prescriptive. Pinterest doesn't work the same way it used to, but, um, you know, I did, I would, I would blog, put my blogs with an organic Pinterest strategy and I had a Facebook group and that was it. Like I didn't do anything else. And I did that up until two years ago, we started a YouTube channel, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like this, this, okay, let's slowly but surely add things once we feel like the first things are systematized. So it's, it's a framework, um, or it's an idea around 
your business doing less that you can do more, but then it, again, it goes into hiring and your CEO role. Um, and, and like I said, at some point, my goal would be for everyone to do only category three tasks. And, um, for me, I'll call those my swim lanes, right? So mm-hmm. my swim lanes, which again, won't look like everybody else's, but I choose to focus on, um, high level partnerships, high level strategy, and face of the company, which means I go on podcasts, which means I'm talking with other business owners or going to conferences. It means that I'm shooting YouTube videos. It means that um, that's what I spend most of my time doing. One of my top five strengths and strength finders is um, future is future uh, futuristic and strategic, right? And mm-hmm. so I love being involved in strategy meetings. So um, I involve myself in those as much as possible with my team. But then when it comes to actually doing the stuff, that's that's better suited for them. Right? Totally. Yep. So I think it's um, I think it's really finding. Uh, and there's so many different ways that you can go about finding the things that you love to do. Again, I recommend, I love uh, the Clifton Strength Finders. That's been really eye-opening for me. If you can get yourself to doing the things that you're strong at and that you enjoy doing, that's when I think you're going to be the happiest. So, um, and it's again, so it's that simplifying essentialism in like your business, but then also for self. And I think there's something about ultimately what you're also saying there is, is over time and through the stacking and all of that is you were able to focus on what was in alignment, right? And so when you're in alignment, energetically, that's going to play in your favor, which means more money is going to flow because you're doing what actually lights you up and you're not banging your head against the wall. As you said, there's some people will have 14, 15, 16 different products that might work. But often, in my experience with coaching women around the world, is it eventually adds to overwhelm and burnout. And my whole you know, philosophy around that is, if you ask yourself right now on a scale of 1 to 10 how burnt out you are, whatever it is you're saying, 8, 9, 10, etc., burnout to me equals means that you're simply unaligned. So the more un- yeah, burnt out, unalignment. And so for you, again, looking at this focused ownership, keeping things simple, going back to that essentialism, right? It's like you don't need to have more to make more. You don't have to work harder, right, to make more. And there's something beautiful about simplicity. And I think people forget about keeping things simple sometimes. Yeah. And I think there's something to be said too. Like you spoke of burnout. Like I, I, I'm sitting here raising my hand, like burnout is my middle name. Like I get bored so easy, but I think that, um, it's just been, my approach has been, well, what if when I burn out on, um, a program or I burn out on something that I'm selling or what I'm doing anymore doesn't interest me. What if instead of changing it, what if I simplified it, systematized it, and then had somebody else do it? Mm-hmm. Because if I, the things that don't light me up do light somebody else up, right? Exactly. Like if I don't love doing systems or if I don't love writing, or if I don't love doing tech, there are people that that is their strength and it does light them up. So like, for me, I love the idea of creating opportunities for people. I love creating jobs. It's one of my favorite things that I get to do because I'm like, I'm literally creating opportunities for people to live in their strengths by handing off the things that I don't enjoy anymore. And so that's been kind of my approach since day one of, okay, if I get bored with something, I'm not just going to throw it to the curb. I'm going to press in enough to simplify it, systematize it, and hand it off to someone who can run with it and be passionate about it. 
Oh, I love that. Again, again, putting it into someone else's zone of genius, right? So that they can live in their own alignment, right? Like yeah. they, just, they just get to live, live hashtag best life. So yes, no, I do like, I think it's a great reframe, right? For people to be thinking instead of thinking, I've got to do everything. What can you do? That's great for you. And let someone else, do you know what I mean? Do what's great for them. So no, I love yeah. that. The last you've got in regards to this beautiful framework, you then have the freedom path. So obviously we started with the foundations of culture. We focused on focused ownership and now freedom path. What does that look like? Yeah. So I think that that, for me, it's been through hiring. Again, I just, I love hiring. I love building a team. I love getting people into their zone of genius and having them be able to run with the things that they're gifted to do. So um, I, I love always, like I always have my next next one or two or three or four (laughs) hires in mind. Right. And even like this year, next year, we're not planning to hire a lot. We've had seasons where we were, you know, okay, we hope to hire five people this year. Mm -hmm. Um, This next year, I can see maybe one or two positions Mm -hmm. as long as like the, the budget says that we can do it. Right. And so that's, um, so I are already, I always have my next few hires in mind. I look three, six, 12 months from now, at these points, based off of our revenue goals, who would I like to have in the seat, right? And Mm -hmm. so I think there is this element of maybe you're not ready to hire now, but there's a lot of things that you can do that if that is your plan and it is your goal that you can get ready for, right? You can do, um, you can do a time study. You can go ahead and decide what would the role be. You can start creating SOPs or creating systems so that you're ready when you're financially able or when you're mentally ready to hire that person, right? And so I love creating like um, some people hate org charts, organizational charts. I love them. I can't get away from them just because it's just, I visually have to see what I'm trying to build. So I will create a little org chart of like, okay, this is where I want, this is what I want our company to look like and the roles that I want people to have um, Mm -hmm. three, six, 12 months from now. And then it just comes to once it's time, it's time to hire those people. And then there's a whole hiring process, which we could probably do an entire second podcast. Yeah, so, yeah, that's another, that's about, another podcast. Yep. Uh-huh. Yes. How to actually hire. Um, you know, I definitely recommend starting with contractors. I don't, I, I think that um, in, until you're, I, I don't know, it just depends on the business, but for most of us, contractors um, mm-hmm. are going to be the best fit. Um, but even with contractors, I love the idea of coming back to that foundation of culture and hiring even contractors who believe in your mission and who really resonate with your company values mm-hmm. and kind of building that into the way that you ask questions and the way that you interview and the way that you really even source people um, to to be a good fit for your business. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I love it. And I think, again, being able to sit down and take time to work on the business versus in the business, right? And thinking of the bigger picture stuff, even if you're not hiring right away, it allows you, there's something about stepping into that, like the bigger you, stepping into forward thinking. And I think that also is equally about that transition from solopreneur to CEO is you're looking at future growth and it might not happen right away, but kind of understanding how it's going to play out, I think is so important. And I love organizational charts. Uh, I could spend hours 
was just doing you know, playing with those. Yeah. I just, yeah, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. Right. But <laughs> there's something magical when you start to get your thoughts out of your head and onto paper, uh, because then you've got some action and some next steps that you can start thinking about whether or not you're doing it now or in six months from now. Now, speaking of hiring, I know you've spoken just briefly about it because that is another podcast altogether between again, freelancers, um, employees, etc. But what often I hear every week, I would say, I wouldn't say daily, but definitely every week with the women that I work with is, where do I go to hire people? It's there's so much, you know, do I put an ad on in Australia seek? Do I do this? Do I do that? And it can be time consuming. It can be frustrating. It can be you're spending hours trying to find it. And then I find then sometimes people don't hire because the overwhelm is so great because they're almost like there's a state of paralysis. But in my opinion, this is about to come a whole lot easier because I got some inside knowledge that an amazing human is about to release a very cool platform named Abby, AKA you. So share with us a little bit about what is happening behind the scenes with this new platform that's going to make hiring so much easier. Yes, thank you so much. I'm so excited. This has been a long time coming. We've been developing this platform for almost two years. And at the end of September 2022, if you're listening, um, it, it or yes, 2020, I was like, wait, it's 2022, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so end of September 2022, it is finally launching. It is called Hello Savvy. And Hello Savvy is a place to hire mission-minded freelancers. And the whole concept was, what if we took all the things that people don't like about other hiring platforms and just created something completely different and created a platform that really listened to its users and um, and really based our decision on how we build the platform off of what they want. And so we've pulled um, you know, hundreds of freelancers and um, business owners who would be hiring on a site like this and just asked, what type of platform do you want? And so essentially, this is a place where you can search through freelancers. So there'll be a live library of freelancers. We've, our freelancers have beautiful profiles that really display their personality. There's advanced filtering features, even things like um, like Enneagram. So I could say I want a marketing assistant who's an Enneagram 7 or whatever so cool. it may be, right? Mm-hmm. I want an online business manager who's a 1, which I work really great with um, with strategic ones. And so, uh, you know, being able to filter with some of those advanced filtering options, um, tools, industry certifications you can um, search for. You can also post opportunities and some of the things that we've learned over years and years of years of hiring and, and hiring well, we have awesome retention rates inside of our company, is that we, um, we've we really zeroed down to some of the most impactful questions. So we've built those into our job hiring forms. Um, people can apply to your job opportunity with a video, which we've really tried to integrate video into the platform as much as possible. So that again, you're not just um, posting a job and picking whoever posts the cheapest rate, but you're really getting to know a person who's going to be taking care of your other baby, your business, right? And so... Um, and then we have on the back end, once you've posted a job, we have this hiring matrix that helps you actually choose who you want to hire. And so it works almost like a drag and drop Trello board mm-hmm. that guides you through the process of, okay, these people are my radar. These are the people that have discovery calls, interviews with, and then this is the final um, final person that I want to choose for the position. So uh, yeah, we're really excited about it. We're really excited to bring a platform uh, to the world that we feel like fills a hole and a void that doesn't really exist, which is how do I really hire somebody uh, based off of mission culture fit? Mm -hmm. And again, going back to those 
three kind of foundations that we just talked about. And I've seen a little sneak peek of what this platform is going to look like. And I can say it is not only refreshing to see how simple, but yet informative and um, what's the word magical that it's going to be to, to allow just again, to free my time up to go to one spot where I don't have to be going to multiple spots or doing multiple questions or filtering, et cetera. So uh, it is going to be absolutely brilliant. So I'm super excited. Now, where can people get on the wait list uh, in order to know that when this is first officially launches in September? Yep. You'll just go to hellosavvy.com. That is our wait list. And uh, you can read all about what we're building over there. Dude, I absolutely love it. And I'm so excited for you because again, you're just an amazing human doing amazing things. And this is going to help so many people around the world to go from that solopreneur into transitioning to CEO. Now I've got one final question before we wrap up today. And that is, what do you know now that you wish you knew when you first started out in business? (laughs) Oh, goodness. That's a good question. (laughs) Um, You know, I think that I... I would tell my beginner self um, that action over perfection uh, Mm -hmm. mantra that we have is something that was really developed over time. And I I would have told myself that from day one, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, there's, I look back at the things that I stressed over like 2015 Abby. I'm like, Oh honey, like it's really okay. You're working a hundred hours on that uh, business card and like five years from now, you're going to look at that and be like, Oh, that's so ugly. Like, <laughs> <laughs> and, and just to, just to know that, you know, um, just, just that perseverance really, really will pay off. So I think that that's, um, I think that's what I would tell myself. Yeah. Action over perfection, right? I love it. Again, you can't just sit here and be like, kumbaya, do you know what I mean? Give me a Mercedes and manifest, right? It's like, it's all well and good, but you still have to take action. And I'm all about the, uh, any action is better than no action, right? It's uh, you learn you grow, you get momentum. There's so many cool things that come with action. Now for you amazing human who have been listening to this awesome podcast episode with Abby and I just want to remind you that my team and I will be putting together the show notes for this episode over at AngelaHenderson.com.au. Thank you again today for your time, my friend. It is always awesome to be in your presence and I cannot wait for this to come to the world. Have a fabulous day, you amazing human. And I look forward to you joining me next week for another awesome episode of the Business and Life Conversations podcast. Thanks again, Abby. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Business and Life Conversations podcast with Angela Henderson, www.angelahenderson.com.au.